in Albania. Okay? Albania. And it's me, Gary P, and of course, the Prophet Carol Riley. No Guinness today, Gary. We do have a giant Tolberon. Massive, massive Tolberon. One of the underrated chocolates of the world, Prof. Cold, may I add. It's the way it should be. Straight out of the fridge, or even the freezer. You'd be like a dog with a bone. Oh, uh, yeah. Our Christmas well, the only thing is, though, three pieces, and it's like a full meal. Yeah. You need to lie down after. <laughs> it's a monster of a thing. <laughs> you ever see the big, big, big ones that you put over your shoulder? Oh, like they're up to your shoulder. They're literally up to your shoulder. In they're the huge. airport. Yeah, huge yeah. big ones. Even eating with a knife and fork. Uh, yeah, so our sponsors, of course, the fantastic Ocean Electrical. Still doing office blocks in uh, Blackrock. Still doing Department of Education works as well. Uh, all sorts of electrical testing. Ocean Electrical. Um, check them out. And of course, Prof, do you need like something? <laughs> Let's take credit. They got you back. <laughs> uh, yeah, check them out. Uh, for those unexpected occurrences in life, we need a few quid and you're stuck. That's the credit. They've got your back. And who else? We got Manscaped Prof. Yeah, oh, Baldy Balls. Who got one recently? Fieldser. Fieldser is now. Uh, he probably needs it considering he's in the heat over in Perth. So it did was, he use the code Tifties? He did use the code Tifties, and he even got a little nail foil as well. <laughs> so he's gonna be uh, manicured and pedicured and look good on the beach. Uh, so that's Fielder. Uh Four Provs of course as well Keep an eye open for our own little collaboration coming up They've just opened indoor dining haven't they? Yeah they certainly have And not too sure if they're going down the uh, Persecution Oh my <laughs> uh, god are we going to have Are we going to have this? <laughs> no Let's not oh. Let's not Where's your papers? <laughs> Show me your papers uh, No we're not going to get on that road But they are open and for indoor Uh Dining and not well indoor points and the whole lot, so check them out online. Uh, prof, we have to report on our FAI Cup win over Galway and Tala, and we look ahead to the top of the table clash with Pats this Friday. I'm buzzing for this, I've been buzzing for weeks. And there's another edition of the Tifties in Memoriam, and it's the great Jack Wilson who is featured. Um, yeah, so Barry Bear says he has contacted his lawyer about last week's podcast. Told you, told yep. you he was the litigious, litigious type, he has him on speed dial. Yeah, Barry, you should definitely uh, shenak daddy his advent about yeah. this. <laughs> He's, he listened to this in the fetal position in the cold shower crying. <laughs> Just after the fear of of his uh, of his week away in Albuquerque, he well, had a ball. Well, I thought Connor spoke very well. He did? Like Curran's, I mean, no, not, not Foley. <laughs> but uh, no, even though that doesn't work, though, Connor's corner. As soon as I say to him that we're doing another one, they're like... Give me the timestamps. Yes. Give me the timestamps. Absolutely brilliant. And as one of them said, 
he's just one of those people who needs to turn off autocorrect, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, he's he's just he's one of our own. He's a top top guy. Uh, Facebook exploded. Rovers chat exploded with the news of Giggsy Hand wearing a Bose kit in Galway. Um, I actually, um, this this just baffled me. You can't do it. Shame on him. Shame on him. And you know what? He, got, he, he He's in hospital now. He's like getting a hernia because of it. That's what happens. That's what happens when you wear the Bose jersey. So the, jersey the jersey gave him this... Jersey gave him a hernia. Medical issue. Yeah, I... Uh, I, I can't believe he more. But he kept putting up pictures himself, though, didn't he? I know, he's off his head. That's the part I didn't get. Here, right, here's, here, here's what's going to happen. Right, lads, we're going on me stags. Yeah, okay. Don't dress me as a baby. Don't dress me as a nun. Don't put me in a Bose kit. We're going for a session for three nights to have a laugh. None of this attention seeking shy. Giggsy, you've lost that one. You have a couple of years to get your relationship back and your reputation. Uh, but yeah, we move on, bro. Recording a Tuesday evening here. A sweaty, sweaty Tuesday evening. Uh, Prof, small talk quick. Have you been watching the Olympics? Not really, no. I am now officially a cheerleader for the women's volleyball, USA women's volleyball team. There's a surprise. Have you, have you watched th- this game? USA versus China. It's a mental sport. It's intense. It's fucking addictive. It's brilliant. Check it out. Uh, Jordan Thompson is the star. And then they the Chinese had this fucking Peter Crouch type woman called Zhu. And it's fucking intense, man. Every single point they celebrate. Like, when they when they get a spike or a dig, all you can hear is, yeah! And they all jump around, celebrate, and then they get back to it. And then if they lose a point, they huddle. And they all console each other. And they're like, okay, girls, we can do it again. We can get better this time. Like, it's, it's mental. It's 100 miles an hour absolutely deadly sport and they beat them like they beat the favourites USA beat the favourites 3 to nothing I was having great crack watching it like it's the the the, the rallies are unbelievable there you go that's mm. that's my small talk I've been watching the Olympics all week I would have watched a bit of it um, the last was it 2016 I also remember the basketball being great crack because that that Koshi commentator just like don't don't yeah he's back he's back <laughs> and what about um, what about Gas. all the random made up sports I was watching uh they have skateboarding now. Don't yeah, they? that's pretty cool. I like that. The Tony Hawk and us. 13-year-old won a gold medal. You saw medal. that, yeah. Two of them. Two of them got onto the podium. Yeah. But I think it's it goes back to playing Tony Hawk years ago, doesn't it? Having that <laughs> little soft spot for, for skateboarding. But there's loads of like rugby sevens. What the fuck is that? 7v7 rugby. It's like a small version of it. And then you have, uh, I think it's two-on-two basketball. So they're only playing in one court, in one half of the court. Two on two, I've never heard yeah, of that. They're no. playing in one half of the court. I'm like, why aren't they using the rest of it? And then other people jump in as well. So there's loads of these sports I've never even heard of. But uh, no, it is it's a bit of crack. Irish, I don't think we're doing too well. I don't think we're on the medals chart yet. We might have got one or two medals. But um yeah. So that's the small talk prof. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed uh, that. Now, there we go. So like we said, Tuesday evening, absolutely sweltering here. And our Europa Conference League opponents have been revealed. Prof, the Andorran side Inter won 2-0 away to Albania Alpha Twitter in the first leg last week today. And only an hour or two ago as we record this, Twitter won 3-0 after extra time. And Andorra to win 3-2 on aggregate. Did your Prof's prediction of the year come true? This is the second week in a row. Is it minus one did you go for? I didn't actually, I didn't actually do it. You didn't do it. it. Fucking no. didn't do it. These prop, props hunches are... They're not hunches. They're guarantees. I'm, I'm basically become you now. Procrastinating. I talk about bets, but I don't actually put them on. 
That was a stinker, and even Maloney reminded you today. That's two weeks in a row where you looked up at three to one and didn't didn't act on it. Watching you lump on the next one, it'll fucking die a death. Yeah, but the reason was it was because we were here and like it was after after the game on Friday, talking to um you know Eugene who works in the Tata. He was saying that 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 first leg was very dodgy, given the odds of uh, the Andorans to win that away from home. Albania Mafia getting involved and yet they won 2-0 and look at their the average age of their squad it was nearly 33 uh, one of their the player who scored the two goals was a 34 year old right winger like uh, the media horror plays for them as well doesn't yeah, he the Liam guy who has all the jerseys he's actually commenting on it was Liam Regan Guimarães he was actually commenting on his Twitter feed really was he yeah he said something along the lines of oh, I don't know what it was but He's like putting like emojis and stuff like that on on Rovers fans' uh, Twitter handles. So I was we were actually going to offer him uh, an interview. Like definitely would have jumped on it. I don't I don't know if he would have said yeah, but well, I, mean, I was looking up Andorra and hotels yeah. anyway. That's for sure. Yeah. It looks the biz, lovely little mountain area. But uh, there you go, just like that, it's all returns, and uh, we're going to Albania. But uh, yeah, definitely something fishy about that first leg. I'm trying now. I'm trying to shop this. And sell this to the wife about going to Albania for a for a summer holiday. <laughs> it's not it's not it's not easy. But uh, we're at home. Lovely this time of year, Tirana. We're at home in the first leg, right? And here's an interesting fact. Go on. Rovers haven't gone through on the away leg of a European tie. Fucking jinx. Since Belgrade, ten yeah. years ago. Fucking jinx, yeah. Six attempts since then, but in fairness, all but one dollars we we went into the away leg, one or two goals down. So the exception was Cyprus, where we had won the first leg. Yeah, kids are so, crying now, Carl. Thanks. Yeah, so there you go. We tend to go through. We're on the second leg. We're at home. Uh, yeah. So very interesting stuff. Um, we've already been going down the planes, trains, and automobiles route. A lot of people have been looking into it. All those fully vaccinated. Individuals, I haven't even got me one jab yet, Prof. I'm actually getting mm. on my birthday. I don't know how to feel about that. They were trying to send you to the dock. Don't dock. There's no yeah. way I was getting one of them backwater underground vaccines off of them. No how, chance. How far was that a, a drive from, from your gaff? No, an hour, 50 minutes or whatever. But just to get a vaccine. By the time I'd be getting back, I'd have the accent. <laughs> no, I, I uh, rearranged it. So I'm getting a Pfizer. I'm getting a Pfizer up in City West soon enough. So There you go. I'm, I'm one jab in so far. One jab in, Prof. One jab. you get the other one. Uh, but the ticket portal, Prof, for Galway finally opened early Thursday and there were server issues, but we got there in the end. Ultimately, the capacity was limited to 500, so... Which is really disappointing. I think it had something to do with switching the days, possibly. That is what I had to do with. Yeah, because initially we were going to play on a Sunday. It was because of the COVID issue for Derry. It was kind of riding on that. Yeah. But then the government, because our initial submission was the Sunday, where we wanted 1,500 fans, they wouldn't let us have the 1,500 because we went back to the Friday. Why, though? Ugh. But what, when the meeting went on, they said, OK, well, you switch your days, so we're going to take a thousand people off you now. Like, is it a petty thing? I don't know, but like... Are they being childish? It's just like, after four successful pilot events, to then decrease the attendance, it just sums up this country. Yeah. It's so weird. Makes no sense, but then again, they'll increase the GAA championships. Hmm. Did I see 18,000? Yeah, I saw that. 18,000. Seriously. 
Is that Kroger? No. Where is that? Random country stadium. Definitely not Kroger. Mayhem. But uh, there was, I mean, obviously it was unusual the ticketing being left that late, but there there was serious panic on Facebook, wasn't it? But then in the end... I think every member got sorted because there was tickets left all over. Wasn't there, was, there was, there yeah. was. There's a few got knocking around already. So the usual moaning, but we we got there in the end. Uh, members interviews, prof, outside the ground. I saw that. Yeah. Plagiarism once again. Club are blatantly will be speaking to our solicitor. Mm-hmm. Um, Is our solicitor the same as uh, Barry's or different? I, I no, I wouldn't imagine so. <laughs> I don't think we could afford that type of that high level solicitor. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, they were very good. Very good, just to hear people's thoughts and how they feel about being a member and stuff like that and you never get sick of it really Joe Barnes was one of them uh, the, the 86 year old yeah yeah Cooper. that's it so it's the first thing I noticed actually yeah he said he'd probably be dead by now if he wasn't a member <clears throat> it's quite blunt there <laughs> you go yeah. member mem- being a member keeps you alive <laughs> yeah more importantly Gary he also said Foddy Foddy he's been Foddy and Roberts <clears throat> yeah so the great great to see all the members and uh, the FAI Cup Holders, Shamrock Rovers. So who who is responsible for this one, prof? The FAI press for the FAI. Stars. So they're, they're only a year off. <laughs> uh, we be going two 0 First round of the cup. Pico was captain in Finner's absence, and Joey and Gannon came in. Tell and Gaffney started. No, then he mandrew as a COVID precaution. So no, Sean Horn the squad either. I, uh, at at the moment, I'm not sure why that was. Unless that's another COVID thing. Wait, but there you go. I'm literally just picking my team earlier on. He doesn't even get into it. We didn't get into the squad there. I totally forgot about. Him. Uh, they had Conor McCormick suspended. So no McCormick. Conor Kearns and Goal, obviously. Big plus. Big plus, by the way. Yeah. Not having Conor McCormick in the team. Conor Kearns and Goal, or Pat Kearns, as I think I heard on the PA. Pat Kearns. Yeah. I see Conor got a... Got a... Ooh, <laughs> yeah, for the yeah, kick yeah, out. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know it was any other taunting from the South Stand. No, Conor Kearns was too busy patrolling the fucking South Stand. Telling people <laughs> to shut up. <laughs> Threatening them. Threatening them. Um... Yeah, no, so uh, Connor said, <laughs> Connor Kern said, all he could hear in the second half was Ozzy Nay. <laughs> Call him fat bastard, you chicken nuggets in your socks. <laughs> that was one shout, alright. Uh, yeah, I was disappointed nobody <coughs> shouted that they, they felt he spoke very well on the show. Yeah. Where he's all just looking at Ozzy Nay, just staring at him, saying, Say the line, yeah, Nate. Yeah. Mixed emotions. Uh, Pat Dalton there. Um. Quite a big man, as we know. Yeah, Pat Dolan. He was uh, had a failed attempt at Ward Association, Prof. He he was part of it. <laughs> he was part of it. What did yeah. I have? I had the Kamak, Killian Brennan, Gary Kelleher. Mm-hmm. A few things that might pop to mind, you know. Former Rovers and Galway player. I think, I think he's still friends with Brad, isn't he? I've seen him at games a few times. Uh, great news, Paddy McQuaid was there. In, ah, in great the West to hear Paddy's back. Great to hear yeah, Paddy's back. I know he's been suffering with illness. Fantastic to see him up and about again because he had a, he had a very bad time with COVID, so I was delighted to see him. Uh, the players used the eighteen ninety nine tweet as a tr- as the changing room girl. Not using our own tra- uh, uh, our own changing rooms. Our our players. Yep, disgraceful. Because should, of the because of the COVID scare, you know. Should be in there sinking points. But uh, hopefully back to business in, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, so we kicked off. Rough. Yeah, the reason I, I wanted to uh, make a note of kick off there, right, was because... Do you ever listen to the Peter Crouch podcast? Yeah, I listened to four, I think it was two seasons. I listened to mm-hmm. Well, I'm a bit behind now, so the episode I'm talking about was probably earlier in the year, but 
I just happened to be listening to this particular one bef in work before the game, right? And they were talking about set pieces. And they also talked about kickoff. And Peter Crouch asked a great question. He said, why when teams kick off, is there just always this long, pointless ball? What did they just give it away? To the corner of the pitch. And he was saying like, if you did that any other time in the game, the fans would be on your back and be booing you now. Great show. But because it's from kickoff, it's allowed. And they're like, get up the field there, That's boys. The get up the pitch there. No, you're right, yeah, 100%. And he reckons because it's all about a fear of conceding a goal from kickoff. So if you just launch it, then the danger of you being dispossessed and conceding a goal in 15 seconds, at least that won't happen. Jesus, it's a bit of a cowardly way to think, isn't it? So it's it? funny enough, I was just watching Galway kick off, and I was like, they're going to do it, aren't they? And sure <laughs> enough, boom, pointless ball to the corner, it's like, no one was there. Our play as well. No one was there, Gary. And they'll think, get up the pitch and press them. Press them and probably join yeah. them in the back. So that made me laugh anyway. But uh, yeah, no, so we started the game, and um, good start, Gaffney, 17 minutes in, Prof, we were straight You were playing in. well, even straight before in. the goal. Yeah, yeah, no, we did, we had a couple of chances, doing well. Starting to click, like we said. Um, great ball in from Gaffney, right in on a sweet spot. It's a nice whip. Whip, and uh, just beat Conor Cairns <coughs> to it, and uh, poked it in. Richie, yeah. Richie Tell with a absolutely gorgeous ball, just just put on a play from a little bounce mm -hmm. before it, and then... Gaffney poked it in. Gaffney yeah. poked it in, yeah. The two lads, they made such a big impact in Derry, didn't they, when they came on and they combined for this goal? Definitely, yeah. I can see that little partnership flourishing there. And that gave Aaron Dunn the golden goal. Second yeah. time he's won that. That's his it? brace now. He's doing well. And we've now uh, looking for spot prizes. If anybody wants to give us a spot prize, let's know. So he's won twice. Gar Brennan's won twice. Gar Brennan's got a hat trick. I can't even win once. Gar Brennan's got a hat trick. Three times. Three times. And he won the, the sweep. <laughs> yeah. And he won the sweep. You better buy us a point. Next, next four promises. Decked out, uh, in, decked out in Malmo's and special show. gear. The house is painted. <laughs> uh, yeah, so second goal, probably four minutes. Again, lovely, lovely play and um, gorgeous ball in. Cracking team moved us. Who got the assist? Uh, assist came from Gannon. But Gaffney with the assist or the pass before, before the, the assist. assist yeah. I was watching the back. I think it was outside the foot. I think it might oh, have been. He loves it. He loves yeah. it. And this was Lovely taken pass. off the toe of Bork. Bork looked like he was about to smash this. And this was a super finish. This was coming out of my pace. And he turned it home with a bit of spin on it as well. So, yeah. beautiful goal. Lovely passing and build-up play for this goal. And you mentioned Burke actually. He's been very unselfish the last couple of games. I think he might have been... He had a little tug on the ear. And I think he was told, listen, your style needs to, needs to change. Because he was slowing things down. Mm. It was very frustrating at times to watch him. We, I've been dropping him because I've noticed mm. that he just he's and he keeps scoring every yeah, time. Yeah, he's kind him. of selfish, <laughs> but he he was really really unplayable. He was brilliant against Galway. It was just yeah. he's so when he has the ball, it's very very hard to get it off him. He has this torn, and he can just torn you inside out. Send players to the shops. Like <laughs> I was saying, most of those Galway players they were sold out at Herald's <laughs> in fucking top shop in in Cushlan. Yeah, as he sent them all for fucking newspapers. Yeah, I give Berkman a match for this game. Actually, he was really good. Yeah, he, yeah. he was excellent. See all that criticism we've been giving him. Take it in; it's constructive. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that so that was pretty much. It was a great first half. I've I've never seen us dominate a half. I haven't seen us dominate a half like that in a long time. We were unbelievably they must comfortable. Have been bollocksed, chasing shadows. Oh, yeah. they couldn't get near us. They could not get. And it was sad. Not sad, but I was thinking to myself. 
Jesus, this is if this is a second half, is that just going to be a landslide? But and at halftime as well, you're also thinking because you're you're kind of glancing at the halftime scores, and you're like, how poor is this first division? Mm. Because Galway didn't look up to much. At long, we're two down. Although that that changed dramatically as we'll talk about later. Uh, like there was no other, no other first division teams even no, like coming close. No real close. scalps. No. But Ray then, getting absolutely tumped. Yeah, but in fairness. Uh, long came back Galway did look better in the second half yeah but then um, yeah so half time came and uh, James Lowe's player <laughs> what did he call him we were, James Lowe was getting awful abuse for championing uh, Alua when he was with Rover saying he was going to be the next big thing James so, Lowe said that James Lowe yeah he loved Alua and he was saying he's going to be the next big thing and then, what, what did he say James Lowe said well it's great because he's got two right feet but he's left footed <laughs> so when he cuts in <laughs> he can have a shot new build 2025 uh, yeah and uh, so just, just some note on the Galway subs actually so aside from Alua there uh, you had young Alex Murphy getting the hook after just half an hour because yeah. he was on a yellow and he was hacking people uh, and then later on Colin Kelly came on I think with 10 minutes to go during a corner and he came on to take the corner no, you don't do that. You don't see that very often. No, do you? no, you never make a change in the corner, did? So super. Well, they were attacking the corner. So yeah, Alua came on. Tommy Alua came on, and um, I think. Do you know what? Would you? I'd probably play him left back. Because he's, he just doesn't seem to be able to do it. He can't cut it up top. His his end product isn't great. He basically was left back because he had to track Gannon all the time. Yeah, I'd say play him left left wing back at this stage. Get some sort of pace out of him and, and use him as an outlet. But the early second half chance, Prof. Late run, Richie. Did you see it? It was so close. Yeah. It skimmed the bar. Just went wide. And it was another late run from Richie Tell. I'm starting to love seeing him advance from... Uh, early position you love Brilliant. an old surgeon run don't you love yeah. love it late run Richie nearly nearly puts 3-0 up very unlucky not to score that call yeah. uh, excellent stuff but then they did start to put a bit of pressure on they changed their style I thought they some, they're such a Caulfield team though just no real creativity in it a bunch of grafters just plowing through games they, they, uh, they're they not the most creative team at all but Mikey Place Nuts. I hate Cavill got nuts twice. Possibly got nuts in the first ten, fifteen minutes. Cavill did, and then possibly got nuts again. But somebody got show made at him by Mikey Place. He advanced towards the halfway line and ping the ball. Are you into, sure it was a ping now? Ah, uh, yeah, it was a <laughs> ping. This was a ping. <coughs> and uh, Keaton takes it down, buries the bottom of the bar over. Yeah, I wasn't getting that. Very, very. And if that goes in, it's a different game. They could start putting pressure on, lumping high balls in, sweeping up second balls. A different game altogether. But uh, no, we weathered yeah. that storm, and they did have a couple of chances. I mean, yeah, and then I think it was Keating again, actually, who uh, brought a brilliant save about a big out. He was stretching with his right hand to his left. Yeah, I love those ones. Yeah. Now technically, you're not supposed to do, are you? Yeah. I'm doing it now. But very, very Hollywood save. Yeah, but, very Hollywood save. But no, it was, it was a brilliant save. Great stuff, and some debuts. Prof yeah. Conan doing. Yeah, very very tidy little player that's three debuts in two games now very very tidy youngsters yeah Brad's are rates him very highly um, but yeah like you said they did put a pressure on but we kind of we contained them I would say to a certain uh, extent I mean we got a bit of luck yeah with the, with, the, the with the post yeah absolutely yeah. a bit of luck there 
Got the clean sheet. Uh, Big Al's shaved head seemed to do the trick there. Yeah. Jesus, he's terrifying, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. As if he wasn't hell. already. I can appreciate a man, though, who who would, who can admit it, you know what I mean? Who knows, right, it's gone. It's gone. But in saying that, his hair was fine beforehand. I was looking at it. I was thinking to myself, why is he fucking shaving? He still had a bit of hair in his head. But, um, yeah, no, he's a, a scary man. The monk, as he was being labelled. <laughs> um, performances, prof. So, man, the match, I think you gave it the bork. Um, I thought he was very good. I, loved, I just think Towel again. I know he got taken off, but Towel just gives us a different dimension. I just think he's such mm. a good player. Great to see Cavo getting more minutes in the legs. Gaffney was good again. And uh, we're starting to click, Prof. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we we were we were quite poor in the second half. Considering how we were so comfortable in the first half, yeah, as we talked things. about. But um yeah, we were quite poor in the second half. Um I saw it described as a fairly routine win. Kind of certainly ha- wasn't by uh, Galway's Twitter. Yeah. Absolutely dominated was the word they used. Second half. It was a strange game, wasn't Galway it? Oh, he said they absolutely dominated. They didn't absolutely dominate. It's quite a strange game considering <laughs> how what you saw in the first half yeah. and then how the second half played out. They did play well, I'll give them that, but yeah. absolutely dominated is an overstatement. But yeah, so yeah, F- Phelan Morning Prof making his debut on SRFC TV. So uh, congrats to him. I didn't get to hear much of it. Yeah, I just heard a, a few clips. Um, he sounded great and he, he got some nice feedback as well I was reading so yeah yeah, well done Phelan and uh, I, I don't know anyway. if he used a few of my stats I, I gave him a few he said he'd uh, he'd use a few of them but uh, I have another one come on prof another stat this, this is a throwback to, the, to old school tifties with some of these stats that made it 20 wins in a row over Galway wow you know what team I'm going to reference here Gareth about this we're closing in on the record of 22 consecutive wins Jacob's over Biscuits. Jacob's in the 1920s and 30s. Jacob's Biscuits. The Biscuit Makers. The Biscuit Makers. Carl's Cat is here trying to take my life as usual. Thing just smells fear, do you know that? Just smells the fear and it knows. Bloodthirsty fucking animal. Um, yeah, a cat girl. It's not like a <laughs> satanic beast. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> So, Prof, the Cup, not exactly what we'd want. Away to bowls, we've been drawn. It's a tough game. Holy Christ. It's the toughest draw possible. No, it's, it's, and like, bowls could be struggling at the foot of the table. It'd still be the same draw because it's a Cup and it's a Derby. But away, now, are they that soulless that they'll sell? Try and get the Aviva in? I doubt it. They would be absolutely insane to try and move this fixture. Hmm. I mean, the cup is the cup and you keep your home advantage so it wouldn't surprise me though considering they've been whoring themselves around the Aviva lately but it's a tough draw overall would they be allowed to use the Aviva? I don't think I'm not so. too sure not, not for the cup not for the cup second, second round, round. Yeah. I doubt it so what's the funny if the full draw them. have you got the full draw there? Uh, no I didn't write down the full draw but um, did you notice that we played them in the league the week before that? So that's quite a double header. I know, we have a big packed schedule there. We've dropped it before that Longford and mm. around the two legs of uh, Europa Conference League football. So that's the last weekend of August. Um, Harps and Derry, you know, I saw that already. That's another draw. Another uh, Derby, I suppose. So, yeah, that's it. We had one shock in the FAA Cup as well. Prof. Cock, tr- Cock, tr- Cork, 1 3 2 8 the Sligo, an 88 minute winner, Dale Gannon. Um, 
Keeper should have had it as well. This whole fucking this whole love in from McGinty. Did you see the camera angle behind the Sligo oh, fans? So beautiful. Oh. Beautiful. The the stress and the hate and the the disappointment was unbelievable. That that's a shocking like Cork shocking. have been so poor this season. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's what a stinker of a ten days for Sligo. Oh you're up to a lot of plumbers. A lot of wh- a lot of a lot of whale farmers. Just wh- is that what you do? Do you farm whales? Whale fishermen. Let's go with it. Um, they went. They're out pretty much out of the league, and they're out of the cup. That's some demise. Things in three you games. love to see. Yeah. Uh, Darren Nugent, prof Nudra, goal for Longford against Bangor. He is stepping it up big time here. He's really, really loving that role in the middle of the park, and this is one of those goals that you just rarely score. This, it just broke him on the edge of the box. Hink won the banger, the defenders just cleared it and he clipped it with the outside of his foot and into the crossbar. Crossbar and in, absolute cracker. Screamer from Darren Nugent. That, that's an outrageous finish. That. And I think he could slot in nicely into this team. Really do. Gary O'Neill role maybe. But he loves getting forward. Great to see him. And uh, hopefully we finally start blooding some youngsters into this fourth team. Um, uh, Dean Williams also on the score sheet now. Dean, oh yeah. Dean, so back. Both their low knees. Got a goal. Could keep Longford up. Don't know how I feel about that. Do you want your players playing well on loan? Or do you want Longford We didn't to really own? discuss that, did we? Well, would we rather our players play up, play well for Longford and have stay Longford, up? Have Longford... Have they won? I by getting these players on loan now? Because they stopped their B team. They stopped us playing our own youngsters. And in now the they're region. taking advantage of us by taking our players. And now they're getting them on loan. Oh, I don't know. It's a bit, it's a bit fucking... It's a bit deep, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, game of the century crazy at long Waterford game um, well, just just probably that UCD beat Shelburne 2-0 and uh, can you believe Garrett that like uh, Shelburne were there in the league round from the beginning 1921 uh, UCD were elected to the league in 1979 right right and they were around before that as a junior club so they played they qualified for the first round of the cup a few times, even before 1979. That's the first time UCD and Shelburne ever met in the cup. I, I was loving that. I think there was another one. Was there not another one? The only one left is Shamrock Rovers and Bray Wanderers have never met. Now, I'm not including your Cabin Teeties and Wexfords who are relatively new. Second bill, just in the last sorry, 30, 40 years. And there was one other, Limerick and Derry. Had never met until Limerick's the demise. You'd wonder how, with such a long history in the cold, yeah. how it has never happened. Mad. So at Long Waterford. Yeah, at Long Waterford, and then we spoke to Mark Bircham. What was the Waterford post match like? Uh, yeah, he wasn't happy with getting sent off. Uh, so here's Mark. Can you fucking send me up, you can't. Oh no, fucking porridge, you fucking mug. He won't some. He fucking won't some. I give it ya. So yeah, that was his. Uh, word was for his, word, what he said. <laughs> that was uh, Mark Bertram to the uh, referee afterwards. So he wasn't he wasn't too happy. Um, Holy shit! Like they went two 0 down. The one the sentence off was insane. Oh, I saw that. That was mental. That nonsense. What a match! Like that goal, two reds. Managers sent off both. Yeah. Uh, the the winner for the Waterford, Waterford scored in the hundred twentieth. Atlone scored from tip. 120 toward <laughs> <laughs> Love from the halfway line Scored by Macaulay On his debut To complete his hat-trick From the halfway line 
And he only joined on the Thursday. Unbelievable. Fucking crazy game. Brilliant. I had to check the referee and make sure it wasn't Budimer. Because that, that that's an anti Anthony Budimer game. Yeah, sure, sure. All yeah, over. Isn't it? He's he's great, yeah. I love bring bring him back. But uh, Atlone, by the way <sighs> Atlone could not or, or like the last few weeks, they have not been able to fill their home on occasion. Our issue is can we fulfil everyone's needs like to get into Tada? Can we fulfil like the members in the season to call Yeah. Atlone's problem is can they get 500 people after being without football for 15 months I think they're lo- they're like Marmite in that town aren't they they're loved and they're hated that is embarrassing yeah no something's not right there something's not right in, in Atlone um, yeah so nuts crazy game little beanies little beanies uh, quit while you're ahead of other European results Dundalk drew 2 all with Lavadi Italian and Italian with all four goals coming in the first half I think there was a couple of red cards as well and speaking of not fulfilling your allocation Dundalk had hundreds of tickets left over just before kick off you hear this Italia. that's the bacon buckets <laughs> they're coming out um, and they're at it again covering Robert's Chris in the stadium and bed sheets they brought the bed sheets and <laughs> the all bin bags the bin bags yeah yeah Oh, the pettiness is unreal, isn't it? You love to see it. Uh, Bowles won a decent win away in Luxembourg, in fairness. Do the launch. Um, yeah, plenty of fans in the stadium as well. Yeah. The the non-dairy creamer macchiato crew was in the stadium. Yeah, they had no stream for that game. I saw I saw Bowles fan actually streaming it on his phone. But Weird uh, one, wasn't it? I wonder why the home team didn't put a stream on. I don't know the ins and outs of that, but... Um, yeah, Fulda Esch were hammered. So, Dude Lange clearly not great. I, so, I would have thought they would have been decent. Dude Lange. So, so Say much, it properly, probably. Dude Lange. Whatever. So much <laughs> for the improvement of Luxembourg club football. You th- we thought it was on the rise, but I mean, clearly isn't. No, certainly not. I mean, their international team is, but Jesus. Uh, Bastien Eri went to Dairy Prof. How about that? The best midfielder in the league, they said. What's going on there? That's that's insane. Oh yeah, I think I've only seen him once in the ever in a in a Bose jersey. A, an upgrade on Danny Mandrayu, they said. Yeah, unbelievable. I wonder what happened. How yeah. how does maybe his attitude stinks? I don't know. But I don't think uh, Long is known for his man management. So, um, yeah. So the big move there, but that's him straight into a place patching and something they need. To be honest, he'll probably do well. Our underage results prof from the Roadstone Project. We've the under 19s drawn 3 3 away to UCD. Max Murphy, Dylan Duffy, and Conan Newell all on the score sheet, all with first team experience as well. So great to see the young lads getting goals. 15th beat Club Kildare 2 0 at Roadstone. The under 14s ran 3 0 winners in Kildare. And the women's under 17s won 2 1 in Galway. So a uh, good weekend all around for the Roadstone Project. And we had the Shamrock Rovers under 12s. They were winners of a Donegal tournament. And uh, they beat Finn Harps in the final, uh, five nil. Excellent. DC didn't. They'll never forget these little trips away. They beat I the always, Harps under thirteen. Mm, I always nil. remember going away. All these you never forget them because you're away with your little buddies and you're young mm. and you're playing football. <laughs> it's not better. And we saw some clips of me of the summer camps. Another brilliant week for the summer camps. Uh, the latest one was with our our friends and affiliate club Granada FC. Yeah. So great stuff. 
See him thanking everybody. Yeah, it was like, thank, nice. thanks to everyone in the world except Tifties. Yeah, get out of the club. Yeah. Liam Scales prof made a guest appearance at the Glenmore Rovers game at the weekend, and they're slowly and steadily getting their uh, Kieran Stafford in the middle of the park. Apparently, a Rolls Royce. We have a few more additions to the team as well, and they are starting to tip along. Fitness is coming there, starting to play well. Bit of an um, injury to Mooner, unfortunately. Poor El so Mooner's injured. Get, get well soon, Mooner. Get well soon, but uh, they're ticking along nicely, and they will eventually. See, that's the thing. That's this preseason tournament is probably perfect for them, because they've been playing teams above their league and above their level. So it's probably going to hold hold well for them when they do actually start the league campaign. Hopefully, get a massive crowd. Listen up and listen out for uh, Glenbrook Rovers' fixtures when we come and start the, start the season. It's going to be some cracker of a game. Just a note on Liam Scales. He didn't start that game against Galway in the Cup. That's the first Strange, time... isn't it? First time he didn't start a Rovers game in any competition since the 6-1 win at home to Waterford last September. That's crazy. And that's... Do you know what? I think it's something you have to accept when you're in this team with this squad and how big it is and how much rotation is going to go on. You just have to take one on the chin every so often. Um, yeah, so... Um, next up, Prof podcast wars it's time for the Friday I'm in love section of the show they, do, they have their own section this stage don't they might as well yeah yeah turning a bit of a bromance now I think isn't it like it, it was touch and go there for a few weeks yeah you thought were starting be, fights thought, the, <laughs> thought there might be a feud building but uh, yeah Liam, Liam says we're pals now so I never need to say his full name I, I think that's really nice of him no don't agree this is going to come to blows now but <laughs> I'll tell you what right Dale did you hear last week's one? Uh, no, I meant to get the timestamp off you. Of all players. I'm so behind on fucking podcast. Of minute. all players, right? I can't even remember what the question was or why this came up. Do you know what Robert's youth player he was given in the mailbag question? Cole Emorchioma. Ah, that's someone taking the piss. Of all people. That's someone taking yeah. the piss. So here, and he didn't do a very a good job, Dale. So What the fuck did he try and make out of that? So Dale, my my compromise to you is right. If you pronounce Cole Immorhuman correctly, I will say Liam's full name. Oh, here we go on the show. Media in the middle and prof. Yeah. You have to lash it on. Liam Regan Gimering has to go up and down. <laughs> That's my offer. Yeah. So they they did feature our question on their mailbag. Here. Remember the one we asked about? Oh yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Family. In fact, they replayed a clip of us asking the question, which was quite funny. And they had a lot of vomiting at the end of the show. <laughs> That's how they felt about the... Uh, hashtag podcast friends. That's how they felt about the LOI family. But yeah, keep up the good work, lads. I'm loving the feature with the fans of a different club each week. Uh, last week was 3D United. Sligo. Sligo was the one and, before. Uh, very bitter. Very bitter. Having to drop <laughs> into talent to enjoy the result. And uh, it kind of made me think about something. The one they had in 3D, actually. Uh, something I've never thought about. Imagine your club changed its identity, right? And like, say you're a, you were a Limerick fan, now you're a Treaty fan. Did they explain where the name Treaty came from? Um, if they did, I, I I've forgotten. But strange, wasn't it? But like, first of all, you have to train yourself to use a new name. But also, imagine like suddenly all these decades of songs that you had Gone. and you've sung in the terraces—they don't work anymore. Jesus, that's insane. Think about that. Ah, just surely you'd go Limerick United or Limerick Albion. It must be so weird. Sporting Limerick <laughs> Treaty. 
there's definitely some sort of tax dodge there. Uh, podcast friends again, Prof. Three Castles Bourne. They have one on the 1985 Friendly versus Italy at Daily Mount Park. Yeah, I was listening to this today in work. Uh, really good one. Big shout out to um, Donald Fallon supporting our campaign there recently as well. He does a football one now every now and then, doesn't he? He did a brilliant one there. Oh God, what was the last football one he did? Slipping uh, away. Was it the Man United scout maybe? Yes, that's what it was, yeah. yeah. Brilliant stuff. Um, so yeah. yeah, big shout out. <laughs> there, was, there was a great quote. He was reading um, the Italian players and the staff, they weren't impressed with Dahlia when they came over. They said it was like a third division stadium in Italy <laughs> and there was more grass on the terraces. <laughs> more people on the roof. <laughs> that was a great... Yeah. Obviously, it's been romanticised that uh, that night. Like the famous photo of the of fans on the roof. But um, I, I c- well, what year was that? Eighty five. So that would have been the yeah. year that I think Mancini would have been playing for Sampdoria then, wouldn't he? And possibly Brady playing in Italy. Yeah, Brady played in that game for us. Yeah. So that wasn't a good Italy team. He was he was well known from from his Serie A career at that point, yeah. But then um, I don't think I've mentioned this on the show. I know I talked to you and a few people about it privately. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but there was a show on Nationwide featured Daily Mount Park uh, a couple of months ago, and I was actually quite enjoying it for a while because they were interviewing this artist who was fascinated by Daily Mount Park, right? But she had no interest in football. So she was just explaining what, like she lived in the, in the area. Right. And she kept seeing the, the, the floodlights and the St. Peter's Church and all that. And she just kept drawing it. And then she'd go in, she was invited inside and then she'd keep making sketches. And it was it actually, it was really cool. Until the usual suspects came in. And her old friend Lambo was interviewed and <sighs> all them. And then it just became about Bo's. But uh, the whole like feature was basically like, uh, isn't Daly or Grey? It's so rusty and uniquely old <laughs> and dirty and charming. Charming is the word you yeah. use, yeah. It's basically like a lot of adjectives that when you strip them down, just mean old and yeah. dirty. And uh, unkempt and dilapidated. No, no I, I see the charm, right? I can see that. But I'm, but I'm just wondering... Daniel Park is being modernised, right? So balls have built their entire traction on the way this ground looks now. That's what's hooked in all the hipsters, right? Yeah. So they have their bar, they have their murals, they have all yeah. these things that are lefty and, and inviting all the hipsters. Yeah. So what's going to happen when this ground is modernised? I, for one, am looking forward to the spin <laughs> that they put on it. I can't wait. But considering we live in a Russian block concrete soulless stadium I can't wait to see how they get on and I'd love to know about their about their uh, agreement with the council that they're going to have <laughs> for the bar as well are they going to be able yeah. to have a very similar one to us so I can't wait to just walk into the ground for the first time and just be like oh, it's a bit soulless isn't it soulless isn't it <laughs> oh my god but uh, no I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm sure they'll think of something some sort of spin but yeah, so next up we have our In Memoriam. So it's the famous Jack Wilson as Mr. Shamrock Rovers as they used to call him. So we've, uh, we're going to hear from a couple of people now. We're going to hear from Jim Conroy, Dave Carpenter, the Senator Mick McCarthy, 
Mick, Wack, Cairns, Noel Larkin, Gary Armstrong and his son, Ray Wilson. So here's Jack. Hi, this is Jim Conroy Hooper. Just saying a few words about my old friend, Jack Wilson. I knew I knew Jack for for many years, and I, I always looked up to I always looked up to him, e, e, even in awe sometimes, especially as as a as a younger fan. His his love of Rovers it knew no bounds. His eyes lit up when he talked about the hoops, and especially his his favourite player, the the, the great uh, Paddy Cold. He he loved a he loved he loved Paddy Cold. I have some great memories of Jack. I'll, I'll just share two two with the with the podcast today. Just uh, the first one is the uh, meeting him coming back from away trips. I always I, I always had a few with Jack. Well, most of the time anyway on the way back. But I'll always remember near the end of the four in a row era, like when we were winning everything and all, and Jack came over to me and we started talking about the, the greatest Rovers team he'd ever seen. And he he'd been gone since the forties. He'd seen we had a very good team in the forties, great teams in the fifties and sixties. But he he had absolutely no doubt that the eighties team was the best Rovers team he, that that he ever saw. He, 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 I think the reason was he says that they used to go down. They, they, they could play some brilliant football, especially at Milltown and all that, and destroy teams. But the, but they were also able to go down to places like Sligo, to Duddy, got all these places in in the middle of winter on those horrible horrible days, and 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 they, and, they, and they'd fight for the for the, and they'd fight hard and come out with the points. The the eighties team was a tougher team. They they had more. They, they 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 had that little bit of a mean streak in them, which 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 impressed Jack no end. So it was some compliment to that team that that, that Jack picked them as as the greatest Rovers team. And and uh, just in my opinion, I think he's, he's probably right. I think the rec, the records prove. But my favourite story about Jack was 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 the time we were up in Donegal. It was we'd always meet him. You know, I didn't see him during the day. He'd always come over to me and Deck and the lads. He'd always come over in the early hours of the morning and have a few points with us and a chat and all that. You know, and we were in the Villa Rose. I think it was the Villa Rose. And Jack came over to me and Deck. It was just me and Deck left at the end. And he came over to us. And, and he was really serious. And he says, lads, I have a problem. He says, there's something badly wrong with me, you know. And of course, me and Deck looked at each other. We sobered up fairly quickly. We were kind of saying, Jeez, what's wrong with Jack? You know, what's wrong with Jack? So eventually, anyway, like we, we tried to avoid the subject a bit. But eventually, I think it was, I think it was me. I said to him, OK, Jack, well, what's wrong with you? He says, you know what, me, I have a terrible problem in life. He says, he says, I can't stop thinking about Rovers, he says. Jesus, I can't stop thinking about them. I go up in the morning and I'm thinking about Rovers. I'm eating me dinner. I'm in me car. I'm at work. I just can't stop thinking about Rovers. I think of them at night. Oh, 24 hours a day. And, of course, <laughs> me and Dick looked at each other quite a great relief. So it was an easy enough one to solve. So we just says, ah, sure, sure me and Dick have the same. We, we think about them all the time. We, we wait first thing in the morning, the last thing at night. And then Jack was so relieved when when, when, when he realised there was nothing, there was nothing really wrong with him, so he he got the drinks in, and a, a, a great a great happy night was had by all. But that that that, that was typical, Jack Jack Wilson. He he was he was great company, and always 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 good fun, you know. And of course, Dick loved that story. He used to love telling people that one, you know. Like Jack, yeah, it's not just Jack. It's Jack and his family, you know. They, they, they are they, they, the big lesson from Jack and, and, his, and his family is that Rovers are 
are bigger than all of us. No one's bigger than Rovers. And, and, and I think the players, directors, fans, backroom people, we all know that. And I think the younger fans, which is great to see, the, the young fans who started following since Tala know that. And I think that's that's attributed to Jack too. It was people like him who who, who handed who handed that good quality thing down, you know. When I go to talent, when I go to a match, I always think of Jack at some time in the game, you know, at least once or twice, you know. I always remember Jack and think like he died shortly before the first game at Tallis Stadium, like which was a terrible injustice because I suppose life's Life's just not fair sometimes, sure it's not, you know, and it was terrible sad that Jack didn't see the see the hoops playing in Tallis Stadium, you know. But the thing about the stadium is it will always be, be a monument to, to Jack Wilson and, and Jack Wilson and his likes who have done so much to get us there, you know. Jack, it was a privilege to have known you. Keep on hooping. I'm David Carpenter. I've been a Rovers fan for over 50 years. I've been a member of the 400 club since early 2003. I was heavily involved in the examinership process and in the members club taking over the the football club and served as a board director from 2005 to 2012. Looking back, myself and Jack would have been on opposite sides of the same pitch on many occasions. Uh, During our Milltown days, I would have always been under the shed and Jack would have been on the reserve side of the pitch. And later on, when it came to the examinership process, we would have again been on opposite sides of the of the same pitch, so to speak. Um, but I think you know the one thing that we all shared was was the great love for Rovers, and and Jack was Rovers through and through. Jack was obviously instrumental in the establishment of the four hundred club. Um, you know, back in the days when when Rovers were struggling trying to get into Tala, and while the four hundred club might ultimately have taken on a different role than Jack might have envisaged in the first instance. Um, there's no doubt that the club couldn't have survived without it being in situ in the first instance. I wouldn't have known Jack too well prior to the examinership process. I would have obviously been aware of his presence around the club from the RDS days in particular. The examinership process was a difficult time for everybody and I suppose it was extremely difficult for the likes of Jack and, and John Breen and that who'd put so much time and effort into uh, resurrecting Rovers and rejuvenating the club and trying to get us into Tala. Um, I'm sure they, they, they found it quite difficult um, dealing with what we would have probably been regarded as younger books uh, within the 400 club. There's no doubt we had strong differences of opinion as to how the the club should be should be saved in the, through the examination process and how it might be structured uh, in the future going forward. Throughout the examinership process, I would have had a lot of dealings with Ray. Would have been we would have been in constant contact with one another, um, strategizing how we would structure the, um, the 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 refunding of the club and and the acquisition of the club. Ultimately, uh, Ray would obviously have been in regular contact with his dad and and would have been encouraging Jack, who at this stage was was heavily involved with the Friends of Rovers uh, four group, um, and and Ray would have been encouraging them to come on board with us and, and um, combine our efforts in, in the examinership process. But for whatever reason, that, that never materialised and it was ultimately left to the 400 club, obviously, to take the, the club through the examinership process and at the end of the day, acquire the club for the fans. I remember the day that the examinership process was approved in the High Court. Um, that evening, we were playing up in Dalymount. I 
think we were probably playing Derry, if my memory serves me correctly. I met Jack in the ground that evening around the halfway line. We shook hands and Jack said, congratulations, you've won. Um, and I said, no, Jack, uh, we all won. We're all in this together. And I think he believed that she'd no longer be president of the club. And I said to him, whatever differences we'd had, and we're all in the past now, and there was a line drawn over them as far as I was concerned. And, uh, you know, as far as I was concerned and the other members of the 400 Club were concerned, Jack was still the president of the club and would continue to be the president of the club. And I, I know how much that meant to him, um, you know, because of his his lifelong passion and commitment to the club and all the work that he'd done on behalf of the club down the years. Like many a player for Rovers, Jack was a, a difficult opponent. He was dogged, um, very determined. But the one thing that I always say about Jack, he, he was he was very fair and he was straight. Nobody could ever deny his, his love for the club. Having contributed so much to the club over the years, it was a tragedy that Jack never never got to see a game played in Tallaght. I know there's some consolation in the fact that he knew the ground was, was just about completed when he, when he sadly passed away. But while he might never have seen Rovers play in Tallaght, you know, Jack's legacy lives on. People, people still talk about Jack fondly today. Um, and it was a lovely tribute from the club that they were able to give him, uh, give him, Pauline and the family, the, the, the first ticket for Tallaght Stadium, 001. And I know it's something that the family greatly treasure. Despite the differences we might have had through the examinership process, um, I'd always have the highest respect for Jack and hold him in the highest regard. Great admiration for what he did during some of the club's most difficult years in its history. We all owe Jack a, a great debt and it's wonderful to see that his legacy lives on through the family and you know the grandkids and all going to matches. No doubt he'd be very proud of what the club has achieved over the last 10, 11 years or so. You know, this, the growth in the academy, the, you know, the, the additions to the stadium almost now fully complete. You know, the, the huge numbers of fans turning up, the huge number of season ticket holders. And I suppose the greatest legacy to his memory is, is the, the huge growth in the 400 club now with, with over 600 members. Hopefully Jack is smiling looking down on us and hopefully he'll bring us a bit of luck on Tuesday night in the European game keep on hooping Jack thanks for everything Hey lads thanks for giving me this opportunity to uh, show my respects to the great Jack uh, Wilson who we all know and uh, respect it so well and he's synonymous with this club of ours and done so much work over the years for us but uh, Jack will always, I'll always remember Jack is one of the lads and in the Pines uh I got to know Jack probably in the 90s. I knew him from afar because uh, before that, in the 70s and the 80s and that, you know, but uh, it was only after that I got to know him really well in the 90s. And uh, But one thing is I always stick out with Jack. No matter what time you get into a town or a, a big city for a Rovers match on a Sunday morning in the 70s, we used to all drive down and go to the games. And uh, he was always there in front of you and you'd always wondering how the hell and him and uh, another man, Kenny Blake, another great Rovers man, was always there in front. And we always used to say, how did they get there before us? But I think they used to go down the night before or whatever, you know. But uh, no, Jack is, everything has been said about Jack. And I'll talk about him on a personal terms without uh, going into all the stuff. I'm sure all the other lads are doing that at the moment. 
saying how much he don't for the club and which he did and his family are still doing this present day and I know he was so proud of uh, Ray what Ray could do when we were really uh, at hard times and uh, which uh, he's still there doing his bit for us and uh, he's so proud of that but I'll always remember Jack is one of the lads in the Pines uh, after the match uh, Jack was had his opinions and he'd say them out straight here and uh, wouldn't be behind the door and many's the time myself Richie and a couple of us would we have an argument with him, but he'd always stand his corner, and that was the type of man he was. He was a man of principles, and uh, I've nothing but good times uh, off the outside of football with Jack. And uh, listen, his name will live on forever, and I'll never forget two occasions. Just one when he was made president of the club, which is a great uh, was which is a great occasion for a man. He was very surprised, and the lads done that for him, and it. The other one I remember was his 70th birthday, which was a magnificent night. He wasn't well at the time, but Jack is always 100% he gave. And uh, he was brilliant and his whole family around him and didn't let his sickness ever get in his way. He made his way to the matches. I think I remember him. He wasn't out of the bed in the, in the Blackrock Clinic 24 hours. And he arrived in uh, once Jack had the overcoat on. He was ready for a football match. So there are my memories of Jack and uh, they'll never be forgotten and uh, he'll never be forgotten. And uh, as he do, I'd always say to him, once a hoop, always a hoop. And here's to you, Jack, and uh, thinking of you always. Thanks, lads. Thanks for asking me, Mick McCarthy here. Thanks again. Cheers, lads. Thanks. How are you, lads? Uh, the work here. What can I say about Jack Wilson, the Kaiser, as we used to call him? Um, and the reason we called Jack the Kaiser was he wore this big long leather coat and it was like something like Ernie Rommel where the desert rap the Nazi regime. But uh, Jack was one hell of a legend and one hell of a Shamrock Rovers fan. Um, he eat, bread, slept Shamrock Rovers. And to talk about him here today is an absolute pleasure. Um, the good things he done for this club, I don't think anyone will ever really, really know the extent he went to. And obviously, my son Ray and his whole family are just just Shamrock Rovers through and through. You couldn't you couldn't talk to Jack about anything else only Rovers. And uh, one of the one of the first times I met Jack was in Milltown in underneath the stand where he used to stand every every Sunday in the reserve side. And uh, we just talk Rovers and have a chat, share with chat. But I didn't really get to know Jack until the clients done what they done. Um, and I always remember one thing: what they done. We won the league in '84. And we probably should have realised at this stage then, they, they closed the bar after two hours in Milltown. We couldn't kind of get our head around. I remember Jack saying to me, that's crazy. Did he, did he love this club or what? And we ended up in the Goat Grill uh, that night celebrating the league title. You know, we had our own bar and our own ground, which was, by the way, anyway. But that's, that was one of the four seasons I always remember Jack saying to me. And, uh, but I didn't get to know him until, until uh, 87, end of 87, early 88. And... Um, it was when when the ground was gone and uh, I came home from Australia and we were having a great chat with Jack and uh, basically he said, we're going to save the ground, we're going to do everything we can. And they asked me to help him, I said, absolutely. Um, and that's when I really got to know him, but by God, he moved heaven and earth for this football club in every way. I mean, every way, financially, mentally, physically. Jack done, Jack done everything for a football club and he just idolised them. Um, Travelled the highways and breadth of Ireland all his life to support the club with his family and his friends 
I didn't know Mr. Elvin I can go or Cove or, you know, Finn Harps. That was Jack. Hardcore to the, to, to the end. And um, I always remember when the ground was being built, uh, we kind of had a bit of a road to water the pitch. And I used to say to ring Jack, Jack, I'm going up, do you want to come up with me? He said, yeah, I'll come up with you. So we come up and we put the hell, we pull out the hoses, the length of the pitch, and we turn on the sprinklers and then we just watering the pitch. This went on for about a year, we watering the pitch. And we just sit there and just talk about Rovers, looking at the water on the pitch. Where are we today? Who's playing well? Who's not playing well? How are we going to pay the wages? You know, when we get in here, it's going to be fantastic. And that was one of the worst things for me when the ground opened that a man had given his life to the football club and didn't make it. And I'll never forget shedding a tear when, when Rovers ran out in, in uh, March 8 uh, and Jack wasn't there. And by God, did he deserve to be there because he'd done so much for it to happen. And he never gave up the club. He never gave up the club through all the bad times that, that, that were thrown on top of us through no fault of our own. Um, he never gave up, he kept going. And that was one of the things, I'll, I'll never forget him or his family. Like his family has just been incredible to, his, to the club. Um, but Jack is missed, I mean really missed. Uh, 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 what I wouldn't give to have a chat with him. And he wouldn't be short and show and tell you what he thought of you. <laughs> if he didn't like you, he'd wipe you out. But that was Jack. Um, you, you know, you got what I said in the tin, and I mean you got what I said in the tin. Um, he was on the board uh, in the uh, RDS uh, regime era, era and uh, he'd done everything, he fundraised. I mean, he set up this lottery, uh, match lotteries on, on a Saturday afternoon, the scores, and he'd be driving around Friday night, Saturday, all over the city with a load of army, a load of, load of Rovers people, collecting the money, collecting the coupons, counting the coupons down in um, Bourquet in, in uh, Right beside the Harp Bar, little pub there, we used to collect the coupons and count them on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it was incredible, the red thing he set up. But then he set up the 400 Club when things were really bad. Joe, Jack came to, came to everyone and said, listen, we're going to set up a little fund and it's going to be, uh, put a few quid in every month. What do you think? And it rolled on and rolled on and look what it has done today. It's, it's put... Put massive money into the football club through the fan base, through their hard earnings every week in, week in, month in, month out. But that was Jack's idea, and um, he was the man behind it. And his legacy still lives on, and it always will live on, in my opinion, because he's instrumental where the club is today. Jack Wilson missed, really, really badly missed. Obviously, missed more by his family, but missed by, by the people that um, were with him in the bad times and with him in the good times. I mean, some great times. Jack, rest in peace, the whack. Never forget you. Hello, this is Noel Larkin from Brisbane, Australia. I played with Shamrock Rovers in the 1980s as part of that great four-in-a-row team. We had some great players and some great people involved in the club at the time. Here's my memories of one of those people, the great Jack Wilson. Jack Wilson and his family have been great supporters of Shamrock Rovers for a long, long time. And thank God for that. Jack's involvement started out when he became a supporter of the Rovers. He then went on and became a real activist, a president and a great leader during the most difficult times in the history of the club. I first met Jack when he was a supporter of the club in the mid-80s when I played for that great four-in-a-row team. And after every game at Milltown, 
the players would all go into the bar underneath the main stand and meet up with the supporters. And Jack was one of them. He was a very quiet, unassuming person. However, when he spoke to you, you really listened. He had a great love and a great knowledge of the game. His love and his knowledge for Rovers really showed when the club, when Milltown was sold and we had to move to Talca Park for the 1987-88 season. From then onwards, that's when he became a real activist. He fought tooth and nail with many others to make sure Rovers were to survive. The club moved from ground to ground over the coming years and Jack played a big part in making sure that Rovers had a home and would continue to play in the League of Ireland. Jack was a great leader. He, with many others, were out there every week raising money to keep the club going. He founded and set up the Shamrock Rovers 400 Club, formed to raise funds to finish the Tala Stadium, as we all know. It was the 400 Club fans group who stepped up to the mark to run the club in 2005, saving the club, as we all know, from extinction. Rovers would not exist today if that had not happened. Jack unfortunately passed away just a few months before the first game at Tala. A dream he had had become a real reality. Ray, his son, once told me that Jack and a great friend of mine, Mick Kearns, would go to Tala and sit in what was then just a shell of a stadium and wonder would they ever get it finished. Even though he never saw the the first game at Tala, I am sure he's been watching every game that has been played there ever since. From 1987 to the present, the Wilson family, with a lot of help from great people, have been the backbone of this club. Whenever Shamrock Rovers is mentioned, the Wilson family, through Jack and Ray, should always be mentioned in the same breath for what they have done for this great club. They made sure it survived and they made sure it became what it is today, the best club in Ireland. Every club needs people like Jack Wilson. All I can say is, thank God he was a Shamrock Rovers supporter. Hey lads, Gary Armstrong here, Jack's grandson. Thanks very much for doing this. It's, uh, it's very much appreciated. All of you who know Jack know the type of man he was. I thought because he was such a huge presence in my life that I'd find this a lot easier. But to be completely honest, I've actually found it quite difficult. It's it's hard to put into words and I want to try and make sure that I do him justice. Um, but look, I'm just going to start from the beginning and, and, and kind of tell you about my Rovers memories with Jack and, and what he meant to me. He supported Rovers since he was a kid living in Crumlin and and needless to say, as I'm sure you all know, that was the beginning of a legacy that's been passed on to to all of us, from from the eldest all the way down to my youngest cousins. His passion for Rovers is is all consuming, and, and we all kind of fed off that. Jack took right to games in as a boy uh, when he was growing up and into his teens, and and then Ray moved to Australia in in 1986, I think, and then I came along a few years later. And by that stage, my mum, my dad, my nana, my auntie Paula, they were all going to the games. 
I went I went with them, but I realised very quickly it was a lot more fun going with, with Jack and, and Richie Bourne and, and John Breen and, and Jimmy Keogh and, and Dinny and Dick and whoever else were going at the time. I guess maybe I feel the void that Ray left when he went down under. Um, Jack never missed a game. The old saying, or that song, uh, I walk a million miles for one of your goals, it never rang more true than for Jack. He travelled up and down the country uh, in the days where there were no motorways and you had to travel through every little town and somehow he still managed to make it back to the points before last orders. And apart from the odd game that that I wasn't allowed to go to, he took me with him. He, he took me everywhere, including overseas. He took me to Czech Republic to the Slovan Libre game all those years ago. Oh, 2003, I think it was. Um, but yeah, moving back. When I was really, really young, Jack and Richie, they filled me with all sorts of these lies. They, when we were travelling to games, they, they used to tell me that they had special parking spots at every ground. So in Jakar, up by the shops, Daily Mount outside the church, Tolkien, in that little laneway beside the shops. They told me that their name was on the ground outside. Uh, and I obviously couldn't see it because we'd already parked there. I lapped it up. I, I believed everything they told me. On the way home then, we'd, we'd stop in for a sneaky pint in the pines and they told me I wouldn't be able to tell me Nana, so we had to pretend we got a puncture or that the traffic was bad or whatever, but I love being a part of all that, the deceit and I relish telling me none of these lies. Needless to say, she knew all along, she was just playing along, but I still loved it. He brought me to, to other games too. If, if Rovers weren't playing on a Friday, uh, he'd ring my mum and next thing you know, he'd be up to collect me and we'd go see... Pat's bows or shells, whoever are at home. I was only too happy to go because I love being with him and, and, and all the big men as, as they were to me at the time. I remember one story, I was probably 10 or 11 in Daily Mount. We weren't playing and I fell asleep sitting there just before half time. There was this fella sitting behind us shouting abuse the whole half, the whole first half. But when I woke up, he was gone. So I turned to Richie and I asked where he was. And he told me that he was laughing at me for falling asleep. So Jack hit him a slap and he was in the ambulance over the far side beside the Connick Street stand that had the lights on. Uh, of course, I thought it was the truth and I went home and told everyone I know. One of the earliest memories I have with Jack is being in Blackpool on a family holiday. He was teaching me about the 1956 and 64 teams. I barely knew how to spell at this stage and I still know those names. The, the 1956 team, O'Callaghan, Mackey, Nolan, Kyo, Hennessy, McCann, Payton, Ambrose, Colden, Tui, and then 64, Dunkyo, Courtney, Nolan, Farrell, Fulham, O'Neill, Mooney, Balaam, Ambrose, and Tui. I was barely able to spell at this stage, but I was, I was still learning these teams. As you know, the 56 team was called the Colts Colts. Paddy Cold was his all-time favourite player. Uh, there was a picture of Paddy Cold above an old record player at his house. And he just referred to him as God. And we all knew who he meant. Speaking of Paddy Code, actually, his daughter Suzanne is the reason why Shane Robinson came to Rovers all those years ago, back in the day. She contacted Jack about this kid playing in Waterford. So Jack travelled down and, and watched this underage game. And the rest is history, as they say. When I got a little bit older, Jack got me involved everywhere we went with Rovers. <clears throat> I was a ball boy in Santry. In Santry. I did mascot more times than I can count. Uh, it was the mass call for the cup final against Derry um, and I remember my little sister being a little bit upset that she wasn't involved in all the excitement and the type of man that Jack was uh, as soon as he heard that she was in any way upset he made sure to arrange for her to be a mascot that day too he was that's just the type of person that he was he, he wouldn't leave he wouldn't leave anyone out at all 
I did the halftime draw as well, as I'm sure some of you might remember. Um, he used to bring me to the games two and three hours earlier to sell the tickets and he'd be telling me to tell people that it's two for two, two euro each or two for four euro to try and get people to part with their money to support the club that he loved so much. I can also remember several occasions when he was outside my school early on a Friday afternoon. Well before it was due to be finished, he'd be there at two o'clock and I'd be finishing at four. No questions asked, uniform on, jumping in the car with him and Richie, happy as Larry, heading to Finn Harps, Derry, Cork, Galway, whoever it was. School, no issues. I was off to watch a Rovers game with Jack. His role in, his role in Rovers history will never be forgotten, and I'm sure Ray will talk more about that, but he left a legacy within our family that we're all so grateful for. The highs and the lows are part of the Rovers story, and we get to live it every day and every week, We ha- and we have him to thank for that. I could go on a little bit longer and, and, and talk about the, the years when he when he started to feel, uh, when he fell ill and when he was in hospital and all that kind of thing, but that's not how I remember Jack. I remember Jack being the life of a party, the the mischievous, the messer, um, the, the type of person that you all remember him or, or anyone who knows him, remember him remembers him as that's the way I want to remember him and that's the way I want to, to try my best to portray him here I think I'll leave it at that he's gone now 12 and a half years and not a day goes by that I don't think about him he's, he's my hero and he always has been and he always will be and if I can grow up to be half the man he is I'll have done very very well cheers lads Thanks, Gary and the Prof, for suggesting a recollection of my dad, Jack Wilson. It's very kind of you both. So Jack would have uh, been brought to his first Rovers match by his father, my granddad, Johnny Wilson, back in the early 1940s. Uh, And until uh, Jack's ill health before he died in January 2009, uh, I honestly don't think he'd have missed more than a handful of games over what was almost the best part of 70 years. Uh, Homer away, hail, rain or shine... Uh, He was there, and indeed I was there as well from the 1960s until I emigrated to Australia uh, in the 1980s. And I have so many fond memories uh, growing up of going to matches at Milltown and going to away matches down the country with Jack uh, and his friends, Dick Regan and Peter Sheridan. Uh, Some great times we had uh, back then. Uh, And and a couple of pints, of course. Uh, Well, Club Orange and Crisps for me uh, as a young boy, but a couple of pints for the for the men in Bowes and Fleet Street uh, when we were living in Rialto and then when we moved to Temple Oak, uh, the venue changed, the post-match venue changed to the famous dropping well in, in Milltown. So um, great memories. Uh, and I always remember uh, as a young schoolboy, Dick would always slip me a few bob uh, at the end of every Sunday. And the reason I got the few bob was that Jack wouldn't take any petrol money from Dick because when he was a young man uh, and out of work, uh, he couldn't afford to go to an away match uh, on the train uh, one weekend. And Dick came up to his house in Saul Road. They both lived in Crumlin and knocked on the door and gave him a train ticket um, for, the, for the game the following day. And Jack never forgot that uh, kind gesture from Dick. And for the best part of 40 or 50 years, uh, wouldn't take petrol money from Dick. That was the kind of man he was. Uh, and I was lucky, of course, to be his son and to be brought along to, to matches from the late 60s uh, until I left to emigrate to uh, Australia in the mid-1980s and 1985. So he must have taken me to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games, 
But much to his chagrin and just to annoy him, I used to only remind him of the three matches he didn't take me to. Uh, one was the cup replay in 1977 against Finn Harps. Uh, we drew the first game up there. Um, and John Carpenter was actually the referee. I recall Jack going up on the Sunday morning. We'd stayed overnight in Sligo. Um, we went up on the Sunday morning because uh, the pitch was frosted over. Um, and half the pitch was playable. The other half was um, was bone rock hard. And John Carpenter was going to call the match off. I remember Jack talking to him and urging him to uh, to play the game because we'd made the trip, uh, which he did. And we, we snuck away with a draw uh, and obviously went on to win the cup that year with John Carpenter playing a starring role. Uh, but um, he wouldn't let me go and see the replay. He thought I, I had to uh, stay at school instead. So I never let him forget that. Um, the away game in Linfield uh, was one that I didn't get to as well. I'd probably forgive him for that one. And then I remember we had a, we had a rare one day um, uh, when Rovers were playing uh, in Drada at the Old Lord Stadium. A game we won 7-0. And I think Ray Harkin, Ray Hankin, I should say, uh, ex-Burnley and Leeds, I think, scored a couple of goals in that match. Uh, in any event, he wouldn't bring me that morning to the game. And uh, I remember him telling me how he was delighted to see Rovers win. But as we started hockeying them, um, every goal was uh, was like someone uh, sending an arrow to his heart, I think. So, uh, you know, me being the ungrateful son, uh, they're the games that I uh, remind him of. But, of course... Um, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful to him for what he did for me in getting me uh, into the uh, into Rovers. But look, back to Jack. Um, look, he just fell in love with Rovers. He told me from the from the very first sort of time he 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 went to a match, and um, you know, I think Ireland in the 1940s and 50s uh, was a pretty grim uh, and dull place uh, by all accounts. So, I think Rovers was a glamorous antidote to. Uh, daily life and um, he just thought you know the big crowds at Milltown and the big crowds we took to away games as well um, back in the day uh, was just something that he absolutely uh, loved and of course the 40s and 50s was the the era of Paddy Code um, uh, Rovers greatest player uh, uh, 18 years as player and manager and uh, to say Jack idolised him would be an understatement um, he, uh, I never saw Paddy play, but Jack would tell me just what a sublime footballer he was, the best passer of a ball um, he ever saw in, in, in Irish football. Uh, and I think as a coach as well, he admired him. You know, when Paddy became coach, he was certainly ahead of his time, promoted a passing game, uh, tried to focus on the, the technical capabilities of the players by all accounts, uh, and was ahead of his time in terms of training and nutrition, etc. So, you know, he really... Uh, he really was in awe of Paddy's contribution to Rovers over the best part of you know nearly 20 years. Um, and I remember him telling me the story. Paddy actually married uh, into the Cunningham family, the owners of Rovers at the time, Joe Cunningham's daughter, uh, who were bookmakers, and Paddy worked in a bookie shop. And Jack would tell me how he would go into the bookie shop. He didn't mind a bet, mind you, but he wouldn't go in for a bet. He'd go in just to look at Paddy Coe. That's how much he, he loved him. And I think it was a great pleasure for Jack that when... He became um, involved in Rovers uh, as a director after the loss of Milltown. He was able to reach out to Paddy Code and, and, and the club uh, to recognise Paddy uh, in a way that he felt he hadn't been, um, you know, after he left Rovers. So I think that was a great uh, joy for Jack to become, you know, friendly with Paddy and the, and the Code family. 
uh, and for things like the Player of the Year award to be named uh, in his honour was uh, was a great uh, pleasure as well. So look, he had his favourite players. It wasn't only Paddy. Obviously, if you've spent a lifetime following Rovers, there's going to be uh, one heck of a lineup of great players. The players that he um, used to talk to me about, um, some of them before my time, uh, players the likes of Ronnie Nolan and Liam Toohey, Eddie Balham, uh, and then players that I'd started to sort of uh, remember, um, the likes of Mick Leach and Johnny Fulham were uh, were, were, were uh, favourites of his. Uh, he he would have been fond of a player, um, you know, who knew how to put the foot in. He was certainly um, maybe like uh, players in his own image, tough and uncompromising as he could be at times. Um, so, you know, he wasn't one for windy players. And so a lot of people recall Frank O'Neill as being a great player. And I certainly remember Frank on the wing. But Jack always had a view that he didn't play down the country. So Frank, <laughs> Frank wouldn't have been one of his favourites. Um, but then, look, in the grim enough 1970s, uh, I think the likes of Pat Dunn, Ray Tracy, Stevie Linux, Donald Murphy when he came back from Coventry uh, were all players that um, you know he and I admired. Then into the 80s when we had an embarrassment of riches, of course, probably his favourite era at Rovers when the, the Giles experiment um, was over. He was delighted when Jim McLaughlin came in, thought you know Jim's approach to football was far better suited to winning in, a, in, in, in the Irish sort of setup and context. And he was certainly right in that. But, you know, Jim Beglin would have been um, somebody he, he, he liked. Uh, he was very fond of Alan Campbell. Um, he was a sort of poacher extraordinaire. Uh, Pat Byrne was right up there. He saw Pat as probably the closest to, to Paddy Code. So, you know, Pat was certainly in the Code mould. Um, but then, you know, some of the tougher players, the, the Kevin Brady's, the Peter Eccles, he, he absolutely loved Peter. Uh, Paul Doolan was a great player, Kevin Brady, as I said, and, and very fond of Noel Larkin. He thought Larko was brilliant in his time at Rovers, unfortunately. I only saw a year of Noel, I think, before I, before I emigrated. And then look in the difficult years, the homeless years, um, the likes of Tony Cousins, uh, who's involved with the club now, um, uh, and, and, and Noel Hunt, uh, was, um, was, was another favourite of his. Actually, I've got a funny story about Noel. He, uh, when we sold him to Dunfermline, Dunfermline were a bit slow in, in paying up. And, uh, you know, Jack was ringing up the, the secretary at Dunfermline over uh, a couple of weeks and uh, kept getting promised the money was coming. And he rang him up on Friday and he said to him, listen, he said, I'm going to be in your office on Monday morning at 10 o'clock and you better have the check. <laughs> so... Uh, your man said, look, there's no need, no, no need to come over, no, we'll, we'll definitely send you next week. And of course, Jack uh, wouldn't take no for an answer and flew over to Scotland uh, on the Sunday, I think, uh, and was there knocking on the door uh, on Monday morning and uh, left an hour later with the check. So uh, he wasn't a man to, uh, to, to mess around with too much. But look, it was the loss of Milltown, obviously, that galvanised you know, the whole family, um, uh, not just Jack and myself. Uh, in fact, at that time, you know, the whole family started going to the game. So my man, Pauline, who's who's there at every game uh, nowadays, and my two sisters, Val and Paula, and the Armstrong and Cleary families now who, um, who, who, who obviously support the club. But he was a man who uh, hated uh, injustice, as he saw it, and he was absolutely affronted by the sale of Milltown and was actually convinced that the Jesuits were in cahoots with the Kilcoins, that it wasn't just the doing of the Kilcoins. 
given that the Jesuits had um, surrendered the freehold to the Kilcoins only a year or so before the sale. In fact, I remember him telling me the story of he went up to the, the Jesuit monastery at Milltown, I think it was, and, and spoke to the, the headman there and said, knocked on the door and said, I just want you to know that even though it's not public, that I know that the Jesuits are involved in the sale of this land. I want you to know that. So he needed to get that off his chest um, for some reason. But look, uh, he was uh, involved then in, in, in Cram, obviously, from, from 87. Uh, and in fact, I remember my first trip home from Australia in, in 88. And um, I was uh, only in Dublin a few hours and I was on the picket line outside Tolka with him and, and, and many others. Uh, he was a great man for a picket or a boycott, being a, a union shop steward as he was in the 70s. I remember him leading a strike that went on when I was a young boy. It would have gone on for six or seven months when one of his colleagues had been stood down and, um, uh, and had, his, uh, had his job taken from him. And he led that boycott of that organisation and uh, got the man his job back after six months. Again, that's the sort of man he was. But look, as I think people know, some people know, he served as a director uh, under various chairmen at Rovers, John McNamara, Joe Colwell and Tony McGuire in, in the homeless years. Um, and, and look, they were, they were just so tough. I lift my hat to uh, the people who were involved back then when Jack put a uh, fundraising committee together of some great Rovers people. So people like... Uh, John Brain, who was on the board for many years, uh, Jimmy Kane, a great uh, rover stalwart from the 70s, 80s and 90s, uh, Jimmy Gillespie, Kieran Byrne, Joe Colwell was obviously the chairman at the time, I think, uh, and they used to uh, run a pools, football pools competition every week. They'd uh, pepper Dublin pubs, I think, on a Thursday and Friday with the pools, and then they'd meet up on a Saturday in Tommy Wright's bar on Burgh Quay there. Uh, on the Saturday about three o'clock as the results were coming in later on and they'd tabulate the whole thing till eight and nine o'clock and then they dropped the the uh, results off to the various pubs so you know enormous efforts uh, back then from from people they're obviously putting on all sorts of other things golf classics which I think the famous bold Mick McCarthy and Jer Ferdy were running and um uh, and 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 dog races and really any anything to keep the the club on the road I mean they were just such difficult times and his great friend, uh, Richie Byrne, who was a fundraising committee stalwart as well. It was actually Richie who organised the, the room and Tommy writes, Richie tells the story of going to Tommy to say, listen, there's a bunch of Rovers lads need to get a, a room every Saturday for a few hours. And Tommy went, oh, Jesus, he said, Rovers lads, they'll, they'll wreck the place. And Richie said, no, 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 there's, <laughs> there's board directors involved, it'll be fine. So, uh, now Richie uh, was 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 brilliant through through all that uh, difficult times as well, and then uh, probably his biggest legacy in some respects, I suppose, was in two thousand and two. I think it was he was the prime mover in the establishment of the four hundred club in an effort to complete Tala. Uh, and although we, me and him, were on opposite sides of the debate when the funds were withheld by the four hundred club and the club went into administration. Uh, you know, he'd seen the demise of clubs like Drumcondra and plenty of other teams in the league and thought administration could be the end. So I remember many a night uh, chatting with Dave Carpenter uh, when we were trying to do the administration deal and, uh, and, and talking then to Jack and being sort of upset about the kind of split in the ranks uh, within, the, uh, within the fan base. But look, thankfully, we were able to put all that behind us and uh, bring the club together. 
uh, and it was great. He was really delighted, I think, with um, how it all worked out in the end. Uh, and that he remained on as president until his death in uh, in, in 2009. Um, but it does it does hurt that after all he did for the club from 1987 on and all the efforts into trying to secure Tala and staving off the GAA uh, and their court action, that he didn't get to see us playing and Tala passing away just uh, two months before uh, we got to play that first match. Uh, and indeed... It was, I think, his speaking up uh, at a supporters' meeting in the plaza against the GAA deal, and and Mick Kearns, uh, I think, was also heavily uh, opposed to the GAA deal that actually turned the tide away from doing that GAA uh, um, arrangement. So I think he could he could smell uh, a ruse and a trap a mile away. But the main thing for him was um, to secure the future of the club. So. You know, once we'd staved off the GAA, I think he really enjoyed the last couple of years at Rovers. Uh, I think he particularly enjoyed the uh, first division season, um, which we were all devastated when we got relegated, but it turned out to be uh, a, a great year. Uh, I think he really admired Pat Scully and the team he put together. Uh, and that Discover Ireland tour was um, probably brought him back to earlier years of uh, you know lots of lots of away trips and uh, and overnight trips, which he he loved an overnight trip, I can tell you, um, and and he loved uh, he loved a night in the Pines with the Pines Mafia as well, talking about Rovers um, after uh, after a home match or after a game when we'd uh, rush back to the Pines for a couple of pints before the end of the day. So look, he died a happy man. I think his legacy is undoubted in 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 what he contributed to Rovers. Um, whatever I've done for Rovers, I mean, it uh, pales into comparison to what Jack did. Um, so look, thanks again, Gary and the Prof, uh, for um, putting this on for for him uh, and the family. <coughs> uh, and it's great to be able to share uh, those memories. Uh, he would have loved you too as well. Um, uh, something like this podcast he would have absolutely loved. So uh, now it's great to be able to uh, remember him. Uh, and thanks again. All the best. So that was uh, all the tributes, some touching, touching tributes there, Prof. Um, I think the the little favours like that, I think you'll always remember. Like the one with Ray turning up to someone's house with like a ticket, things like that, when you're really stuck. Or sorry, the likes of Jack doing that, it's... Mm-hmm. it's something that really sticks in your mind isn't it especially if you've got little or nothing and somebody does a favour for you like that and it always does it would stick in your mind Like so some very touching tributes there yeah you said Jack would have been a fan of the podcast uh, that was a nice thing to say <laughs> yeah I love the Dunfermline story you know the, the fee for Noel Hunt ah oh, brilliant yeah. turning up he's yeah. <laughs> like yep here I am <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't mess around but just it, it showed because you heard Jim Conroy talking about him like he was he was one of the lads at the same time like he'd be having scoops with you obsessed with Rovers to the point where he was worried how obsessed he was at Rovers <laughs> but at the same time you didn't mess around with him like the Dunfermline story as the wax said he he told you what he thought of you you're just a larger than life individual wasn't yeah he? straight talking straight shooting from the hip no messing about and, and uh, very, very unfortunate that two months before Tallis Stadium he passed. It was I can only imagine how heartbreaking that was for the was, family. It was tragic timing. But I mean at least he was safe in the knowledge that he got us to Tata. Yeah. He was he was a big part in He knew it was coming. He was a big part in that effort to get us to Tata that that fight for twenty two years. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, loved Gary Armstrong as well. We've had had Gary on before. The way he can rattle off those Rovers teams. Yeah. Jack uh, made him memorise it from a young age. <laughs> There's a few of them Wilsons that can do that, all right. They can rattle off that team. But uh, yeah, no. So big thanks to everybody who got took part. And uh, yeah, so we're going to move on. We've got start elevens and predictions. <laughs> Right, I'm fiddling around here, drawing the Olympic circles and nothing, nothing dirty this week. Um, it's a tough one because I'm sure, because I've, you've been watching a lot of uh, women's volleyball. I've, <laughs> actually, you could you could contort that into something else. Um, this is a big game, biggest game of the season so far. Top of the table clash, the Diet Dublin Derby, Triple D's. Um, it's gonna be Manus, Scales, Pico, Joey, Grace could possibly feel hard done by getting dropped here. I just think Pico Pico's going to step up for this one I feel he's just going to I think he's going to have a cracker of a game right so that's the three at the back Cavo on the left of course Finn on the right again Gannon's not getting into my team at the minute I just think Finn has been brilliant doesn't deserve to be dropped it's very very harsh Towel and Gannon and G O'Neill late run Richie and uh, Gary O'Neill yeah so the two boys in the middle of the park they are seriously starting to form a fantastic relationship and late run Richie oh, I just love him just love him, prof. I think I might, I might be catching feelings here. He's a handsome man. He's a okay. handsome devil. Uh, he just, uh, he's just so good, so good. And him and Gary O'Neill just complement each other so much. Um, tough, tough one to call here. Now I'm gonna go Gaffney up top. Um, has to be Gaffney up top. He's been so good. Burke, brilliant in the last game. And it has to be Watts. Watts, that's such a creative force there. Gaffney, Bourke, Watts. I think they're going to compliment each other so much. Can't drop Watts after such a good game, scoring a goal. So I think your only change from the last game then is... P- uh, Grace. Grace Grace started last one, so I'm putting scales in. Did you say Finner right back? Finner right wing back, yeah. Oh, yeah. So well, I've got Green, only- I've got Mandrew, I've got Gannon, I've got uh, loads on the bench. Like Grace, Mandrew, Gannon... I'm yeah, well, big bench. If your only change is Finner in for Gannon, then that was that was my team as well. Yeah, so we've got the same there. I'm confident. Oh, it's the most confident I've been, and I've been telling you about this. I will put fifty quid on with a fella and working on a Pat's fan. He says twenty. I says fifty. Make fifty. You've so, said it on the show now, so actually, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know what you're talking about with your one now. Cause that's <laughs> still an ongoing bet. Technically, it can still happen. We need a recording of how that was worded. <laughs> Technically, it can still happen. Um, I'm really confident. Not overly confident. I'm confident that we're starting to click and play well. We're the form team in the th- in the league now, and there's no other dispute. There's no dispute in that at all. All good performances in the last four games. Sloven. Mm. Um, four and a half games. Got four and a half games. Yeah, four and a half. We've been we've been really good. Uh, I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with clean sheet. Two 0 win. I'm going to go Gaffney and Richie Tell. Late run Richie. Into the south stand. More hugs <laughs> and kisses for the fans. Yeah, if we, we, we're we uh, head on goal difference with the game. Joey O'Brien so. stay on the pitch as well. <laughs> Loves an L red card against Pat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the chance to go three points clear with a game in hand. So this is this could have a say. Oh, man. In the I'm title so, race. I'm so excited for this game. Like, all if, week. If Sligo continue to stumble... And if we were to beat Pats here, that's significant. Huge. Yeah, I'm going to say a 1-0 win. Oh, late one. Late one proper. I, I, I think the clean sheets are going to start coming now. You're May. You're May to score. You're pal up top. Ah, uh, Gaffney. Steam train Gaffney. Yeah, another goal for Gaffney, so. 
another goal for Steam Train Gaffney. So um yeah, really, really confident. So excited about this game. Um top of the table clash. Doy a Dublin Derby, you can't mess around, can you? And when was the last top of the table clash with Pascar? Oh you said this already. I said it in the chat, yeah. Oh twenty twelve. Well that was only about five games in really, so the last proper one was July 2011 go on we were two points behind them and we went into a home game against them Twiggy got the goal 1-0 so we leapfrogged them to go top Whoa. they were on a long unbeaten run that day as well so it was it was a massive win even though in the league table Stoigo in the end Stoigo and Derry were our challengers but at that point Pats were our main challengers do you remember the identity, uh, the, hand, the handball, and then Manus saved the medal? Yeah, that was another top of the table. That was brilliant. Uh, yeah, so we're moving on to other um, Pats up to, up to no good. They've poached Sam Cortis, poached him away from us. Um, they've taken him off our hands. Did not have, sure the ins and outs of that one. Did they have two cards, brothers? I'm not too sure. There's loads of them. Bleeding loads of them. But I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what happened. Um, he was our youngest debutant as well, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. It's not a good look for Rovers. Um... Hoopsie and Prof, very, very uh, interesting one this week. James Lowe coming back for more. He is wondering, is this is the Diet Dublin Derby getting rekindled? And uh, Pat seemed to want to, they wrote on their programme last year about uh, the Dublin this Dublin Derby being hijacked. And uh, James has his say on that. Prof has his say on a couple of things as well. Uh, some really interesting stuff from the programme once again. Um big shout out to yeah. anyone involved with the programme producing it putting all their time and effort into it and fuck anyone who seems to think that they can chat shit about the guys who produce our programme they put all the time and effort blood sweat and tears into it so um, yeah we didn't have one for Galway because it wasn't particularly feasible no no I didn't bother their arse prop mm-hmm. you just didn't bother your arse you just sat around and did fuck all well we are in the middle of four home games in quick succession here and that Galway one only had 500 fans at it. So you can do the math there why it, as to why it wasn't feasible. Um, yeah, my article is about longest reigning Rovers managers. And Brads are creeping up there. Brads is the longest reigning Rovers manager since 1978. So a, that's a, a little, if that's a little taster for you. Well, as of a year ago, he was that. And now he's become, now he's in the middle of the. T- the third longest single spell as a Rowers manager. Crazy. Like Liam Toohey and Jimmy Dunn came back for second spells. So they have been Rowers manager longer in total. But Paddy Cole, only Paddy Cole and John Jaws have been Rowers manager in one spell longer than Stephen Bradley. Crazy. Crazy stat. Yeah. But you want more of those? Get the programme. Yeah, we have a, a very outdated picture of Big Al on the cover. He has, oh. he has hair. <laughs> and uh, like you say, Gareth, uh, James' article was about the Dublin Derby. Dublin Derby light. Or the Lewis Derby. The Lewis Derby. Mark Lynch, if you're listening, was that your invention? It was. And if it is, get out of the club. No, I like it because it seems to have struck a nerve somewhere in Inchicore. <laughs> yeah, so yeah maybe may- so. Yeah, if we're boiling piss, then you can, yeah. get, you can get plaudits for piss boiling. Yeah, you're back in the club. Get back, get back in there. Get back in the club. <laughs> uh, 1500 puff for Friday. Uh, I am buzzing. I haven't. I'm so excited for this game. I really am. Top of the table clash. Double mm-hmm. derby. Um, yeah, you were talking about 
crowds in the GAA, 18,000. In terms of the League of Ireland... I might be wrong about Croker now, that sounds sounds yeah. like a Croker attendance, but still... In terms of the League of Ireland, uh, the four highest are 1,500 for us. Yep. You wouldn't guess who second is. UCD. It's Longford. Longford, okay. Longford 1,000, Cork 900, and then Harps 800. Can we transfer some of those over the way you would with votes in the <laughs> election? Like we know Cork aren't gonna sell nine hundred. Can we just transfer four hundred <laughs> over and take some yeah. of theirs? Just give us three hundred boggers there. The uh, yeah, so uh, really I'm buzzing for this bro. So, should be a great night in Tata on Friday. Fully vaccinated are allowed in the suite. So make sure you bring your COVID passports into what? the suite and you'll get some lovely points. But if that's hundred percent true, don't question it. Prof, you know you're forgetting something. What about the Yizzers? <laughs> get get Yizzer vaccine. <laughs> get Yizzer vaccine so get, points in the suite. Get into Yizzer suite. <laughs> there you go. So that's it for this week. We are buzzing and we see you in the south stand. So keep on hooping. See ya. This is a house that Jack built, y'all. Remember this house. This was the land that he worked by hand. Yeah. It was the